Sit back in your seats, get something to eat, and watch this movie. Don't let the kids see it, because, well, let, let, we'll let you hear the video. Um, thank you. Hello, and welcome to Left of the Projector. I am your host, Evan, back again with another film discussion from the left. Before we get into this week's discussion, I have a couple new announcements to make. The first, I have launched a Ko-Fi site where you can subscribe to the podcast or make a donation to help cover the costs of the show. You can check it out at ko-fi.com slash leftoftheprojector. As well, you can also follow the show on Instagram, TikTok, as well as YouTube at Left of the Projector Pod. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right, so this week we change uh, change it up a little bit. Rather than kicking it off with a film, uh, we are going to do an episode on Star Trek Universe. And with me to discuss is uh, Caribbean Warrior or Javier. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. It's, uh, it's really good. Uh, to, really important. For, um, well, it's really good to talk about this for me. Um, it's uh, one of my favorite uh, shows ever. So, yeah, it brings back a lot of memories from when I was a kid. Yeah. It's really good to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, is, is this, uh, what, do you have like an, a specific early memory of, you know, which show you might have seen or just like an early Star Trek memory? Well, yeah, my earliest Star Trek memory must have, must be when I was like six or seven. I was sitting in the living room playing with some of my to my some of my toys, and uh, my grandfather walked in and he put on the show, uh, and he said this. He looked at me. He was like, "Son, this this is our future," um, and and I was like, "Wow, okay." So I just started watching and I started watching with him, and uh, then uh, later down in life, I find out that my grandfather was a socialist. <laughs> so that's yeah so that's why um he was so you know in love with that show it's interesting you say that because um one of the things i don't make a lot of star trek content that often online but uh, inevitably you come across sort of like two groups of people i think that are fans of the show people who are more on the left and then you kind of have people who aren't and try and either like kind of talk away there being a political show or they just kind mm -hmm. of ignore it and just like it for what it is. And it's kind of impossible. I mean, especially, you know, I, I'm more of a fan, uh, just having seen more uh, next generation, I feel like it's impossible mm -hmm. to ignore just, just the general political atmosphere of the show. I mean, yeah. And it's, it's in every single, almost every single episode that you see of the next generation. It's just, you know, they just smidgens of politics or they'll talk about, you know, Picard will talk about, you know, morals and prime directive and how we should behave. And, you know, it's just hard to, to imagine watching a show without watching this show spe uh, specifically without, you know, jumping into the political side of it. And I feel like people that do this, um, don't only really do this with Star Trek. They do the same thing with Star Wars. They do the same <laughs> thing with other TV shows and TV series and, and movies. It's like, they just want to push away from the real message behind it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's definitely big when it comes to Star Wars and other um, shows. I've talked about this in some of the movies we've, we've, uh, we've talked about, where, you know, you get someone who loves the movie, but then as soon as you talk about the politics of it, somehow, like, either you ruin it for them or, like, they just want to, you know, look the other way. So I think it's, it's definitely, you know, I mean, maybe people, when it comes to Star Trek, they accept that it's political, they just don't want to or they just want to pretend that it's not there i think that's uh, that's yes, what i want exactly. to yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah so i guess before we kind of get into some of the the politics of kind of the star trek universe um kind of specifically around sort of the you know earth and the the um the federation too um because i you know i gotta ask you do you have a, a favorite series of the whole universe and if you don't i understand Instead of a favorite series, I have to say it, it's uh, one of my favorite periods. Um, and it's um, when I do, I don't know, I don't know if you know or if people know this, but um, Star Trek Next Generation and Deep Space Nine are parallel. They go side by side. Yep. So um, Deep Space Nine jumps in like around uh, the fourth season of uh, The Next Generation. 
um, that's when Picard goes into Deep Space Nine, the base, and he talks to um, he talks to the people there, uh, and the Bajorans just kicked out the Cardassian slave owners. So that that'll be my favorite period there. I think that is between the years twenty one. Uh, the mid 2100s uh, that is my favorite time period because that is when cardassia is losing its grip which cardassia is basically an imperialistic um race they go from uh, from planet to planet you know breaking civilizations and enslaving people um and the majorans break away from these uh from these uh slave owners um they join the federation and um and yeah that's when we see the, the shift into deep space nine so I, I will have to say, yeah, anywhere from the next generation to Deep Space Nine, uh, it's my uh, favorite timeline. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that period of Star Trek Next, next Generation because I've been rewatching the show, and I believe I'm just before that in sort of middle of season four. So I haven't quite gotten mm-hmm. to that sort of crossover, and I haven't seen uh, – I've seen you know some Deep Space Nine, but I need to watch it, and maybe what I should do is almost watch them side by side as you say, because they kind of take place at the same time. So maybe it's flipped back and forth, but um, it's, it's good to see. Cause I see a lot of, I've I talked to a friend of mine who's a huge uh, fan of all the shows and he always preferred the original series um, for his reasons. Yeah, everyone has their reasons. And so it's interesting to see everyone kind of has their own, uh, their own preference. Um, but I think yes. one of the thing about um, the show, and I think, especially that I remember from episodes of uh, Next Generation, is you learn a lot about sort of human history from some of the other um, components, especially, I think, from Q. Uh, he kind of t- talks about the history of, of the human race. And, you know, and so do, do you think that that's a good way to even look at sort of how humans evolved? Or is it sort of that lens of he's has his own motives, if you will? Well, we're talking about Q. Q really doesn't have a motive other than just messing with humans and messing with other races. Right. Um, when we're talking about that Q, we need to remember that there are many other Qs. Um, the Q is a continuum. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a whole, um, it's a whole board of Qs um, that basically run and, and watch over the universe, but they really just like to sit back and watch. They don't really watch over. They just watch what goes on. Um, they do have the power to judge um, planets and civilizations, and you know, with a you know, with a snap of a finger, they can destroy you know, complete planets yeah. if they want it that way. So yeah, Q um, Q likes to refer a lot to the past of humans, and I think it's really good that we look at that because when we look into Deep Space Nine, and you'll see it when you get there. Um, Captain, I'm um, sorry, Commander Cisco. Before he becomes Captain, Commander Cisco uh, tells Major Kira Nerys that the problem on Earth is that people are way too comfortable. They have forgotten what the struggles are. They have forgotten where they came from. They don't want to talk about what happened in the past, and that brings society into a point where they're just feeling entitled to everything without really knowing what happened in the past. Um, and I think that's uh, kind of like a dangerous position. I think we need to always remember where we came from and how we got to this, um, to this place. That way we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. Sure. So, and, and that, that actually brings up like a good sort of, you know, question, you know, maybe for, for people who aren't as familiar with the show and maybe even, you know, someone like myself who I'm, you know, somewhat familiar, but maybe don't know a lot of the history. So we sort of, I don't know if you want to talk about some of the kind of the period before even some of the, the show, you know, before, you know, Enterprise, I guess, is kind of the um, in the timeline is the first show um, of the group. So, you know, how, you know, even Earth got to the point where it was, um, because I think there's a lot of, you know, looking at the show and seeing it as this sort of future of, you know, disease is cured, there's no poverty on Earth and those kinds of things. But it wasn't obviously, you look at our Earth now and you look at no. you know, the, the way no. that it got there. So maybe talk about kind of how that, evolved in you know in in some sense and or you know whatever parts you think are, are worth are worth mentioning in that 
development? Well, okay. Okay. So, I mean, really the problems of Earth. So, okay. So what we need to understand is that the show is lenient to our history. So everything that we have been through, they have been through, right? Um, up to a certain point, though. So everything really starts with the eugenic wars in 1992 to 1996. Basically, humanity was trying to build this superhumans. Um, they will be more enlightened. Um, and then, well, they believed that because they were, you know, genetically enhanced and all this, that they will be more enlightened and they will bring a more enlightened future. What really ended up happening was they just created super soldiers. And, and this led uh, to, yeah, because I mean, they, they wanted to cure the problems of earth by making everyone super. Um, and, and obviously the, all that's going to cause is, uh, you know, a problem of who feels superior to who. Right. There's a wider gap really. Exactly. So that led to the eugenic wars that went from 1992 to 1996. And uh, I don't know if you ever seen like the Star Trek movies at all. I don't know if you ever heard uh, of Khan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen that one. Okay. So Khan was the leader of the uh, of the group of the eugenics. He was uh, one of he was basically their father. Basically, there's not a lot of more history there other than they fought and hundreds of thousands of people died um, because this race felt superior to the humans. Um, these um, um, abnormals, as humans call them, um, which is kind of like hypocritical of the humans to call them abnormals when you're the ones who created, created yeah. them this way. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, that was from 92 to 96. Um, then from 96 to 2026 was the bigger problems on earth um poverty was rampant um they literally locked up people in um modern day ghettos um with, with walls surrounding them so kind of like a world war ii you know um before the before the concentration camps came around right, uh, how right. they did in poland uh, where they put walls and let the you know people just kind of fend for themselves in there. Uh, it was a crime to be vagrant, uh, you know, uh, homeless. It was a crime to not have a job, but job there were no jobs available. Um, yeah, and so not 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 far, <laughs> not far off from today. <laughs> yeah, and so when you look at that point from 1996 to 2026, you're going to see that it's basically what we are going through today. Um, and that, that actually, uh, gets shown on deep space nine. You see deep space nine was the one that showed us, like I said, the past and deep space nine, um, captain Cisco and another group of people go to the past, get stuck in the past and they have to go through, um, they have to go through many things that humans are going through at the time, but they, here's the funny thing. They went back in 2024. That's the point they went back to. It went back to 2024. Um, and that's when one of the biggest riots came to be led by Gabriel Bell. Um, and Gabriel Bell basically was fighting to close the, the, the encampments. He was, you know, asking for more jobs and all this. But, you know, you would think that because Bell led the rebellion and more things came out, like the replicators for food, um, which is, you know, where they get all the materials and everything, um, everything will be great. But after that, World War Three hit um, because countries like the United States and countries of um, Western Europe did not want to comply with what the rest of the world was asking for. Again, very, very parallel to you know what you could see inevitably happening now. Exactly, like you know when we look at you know systemic changes going on around the world, you know um, you see places in Latin America. You know, um, you know, from from my view, you know, um, going a little bit more, you know, progressing a little more, you know, passing more laws and making it, you know, better, better conditions for people. While in the United States, sure, you can say that you can go to Walmart and you can go to Target and you can do this, but it's your budget is limited. So how is that indifferent? You just have got hyper, you know, hyper marketism over here. Like there is really no difference. 
Um, but yeah, like from that time, from 96 to 26, you really see the problems of earth, basically what is going on now, religious oppression, um, oppression on the poor, oppression on the homeless. Um, there is no, basically no jobs for people and the jobs that are there pay, you know, basically you know, not a living wage. Um, and, and this, you know, lets people to rebel. World War Three explodes um, and the United States and Western Europe get hit with nukes. We don't know from who, but a nuclear war goes on where um, over 600 million people die. What is left over is a group of intellectual men who decide to do things a little different from what humanity has done before. So that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the turning point, I guess you could say. Yes, that's kind of a turning point. Um, it, it, it really sucks um, that six million people had to die before we realized that things were bad. Yeah. One thing that's what I find kind of amazing about the, you know, the the creation of the show and this sort of history is you think about the the, the episodes you're talking about, Deep Space Nine, is probably like 1995, 94-ish, I think, given when. Mm -hmm. So you think about them writing this, obviously the conditions in the world in the United States was not great, you know, maybe not as unequal as it is today, but they were foreseeing, you know, pretty well, you know, what has transpired over the past now, you know, 30 mm -hmm. years or so since that happened. So I know I just I just in thinking of it being a parallel, it's it's pretty stark, uh, or stunning, I guess, to to see how close things are. Obviously, you know, we hope or I hope that there isn't some kind of catastrophic event that would then lead to is what you were saying, it's, it would be mm -hmm. awful to see that kind of event you know, a quarter or actually, you know, like a sixth of the, of the world population dying for them to yeah. realize they have to move forward. Yeah. And, and I mean, just, just the thought of it, I mean, imagine right now the conflict that is going on in uh, Eastern, Eastern Europe, right? Um, imagine if what they say comes to be true, right? Um, nuclear, you know, bombs being used by either side right now would probably lead to you know exactly what we're talking about this a fictional show yeah yeah i mean it's just yeah it's amazing how yeah how accurate they got to what's really going on today um and i just hope that you know if it, if something does you know happen in 2024 that it's not some kind of war war yeah right <laughs> right so yeah yeah, I, I didn't mean to didn't mean to take it on a, on a downward uh, no. downward thing there, but I just I know that it's uh, you know just thinking of it as a obviously we're talking about a fictional show, but I think in a lot of the show in the movies that I've you know discussed, um, they obviously are being based on you know things that are being extrapolated from from real life. So it's amazing kind of what they were able to do. But I think you're you're around the 2026 period, and so that was kind of the turning point. Um, I'm not as familiar. I mean, I guess I know in theory kind of what ends up happening soon after, but how much further from this moment is it that there is contact with, you know, um, other interplanetary, um, contact, I guess. So from 2026 to 2050 is World War III. Um, after that, they reached the, their point of enlightenment. This is like when I said that the enlightenment come out and, you know, they change the policies, they change the way they do things, and they decide to, you know, give basically, give everyone basically a replicator, which um, if you watched um, The Next Generation, you know, you, you get anything you want from the replicator, any yep. food, anything you want. Um, but, but that's not the only thing you can get. You can also get materials. You can get things like, oh, I need, I need a new pipe for my sink. Well, okay, replicator, replicate one for you. Right. So everyone has access to these materials. Everyone has access to this food. Everyone has access to making clothing, however you want. You know, it, it's it's all there. And they decide to give one to every household that ends poverty, that ends hunger, that ends um, inequality, um, because now there is no more need for the um, as Picard said it in season one, there is no more accumulation of things. Yep. Yep. Because people are not competing to have the basic essential needs. 
Um, they, they have them right there. Um, they give everyone a home. Um, and this lets men or humans become more enlightened. And when the Vulcans see that in 2053, um, actually, sorry, in 2053, um, it is, uh, comes to be what is named, what is known as called, um, basically United Earth. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was going to ask you about that, actually. Yeah, so that's a good point. Yeah, United United Earth came to be, and this is when, you know, men were kind of like all together, you know, um, and the Vulcans saw that, hey, they need, they now reach the point where they are about to discover warp capabilities, okay? When the Vulcans see this, they come down, and that is um, what is called First Contact, which we have a movie about that. It's called yep. Star Trek First Contact. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, that's a little different. Um, if we want to go down that rabbit hole, then, you know, there's a theory <laughs> in there that says that um, Picard, because he went through time, he went back to the past, he switched some of the stuff around, which is why in the new ones you hear um, a lot of people refer to their first officer as number one. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So so it's, it's it, there's a rabbit hole in there that we can explore, but yeah, it is just... It is way too complex, basically. Yeah. So, um, there, there's a time, there's a time change. There's a time loop in there that kind of reset everything uh, when the car went back in time. But as, but as, oh, but as far as the, so at this point, you're saying the, so Vulcan are now, you know, seeing that the the United Earth is now close, you know, to developing the ability to reach warp, which would allow them to, you know, explore the galaxy further. How much further down to this do we have, you know, the moving from a united earth to the, what we sort of just know as the Federation? So the federal, so before the Federation, um, before the Federation, we had something called from 2151 to 2161, uh, we had what was called the coalition of planets. Okay. So it's the precursor. Yeah. And that was, uh, founded by the Andorians, the Tellarites, the humans and the Vulcans. Um, and that was a coalition of planets to fight off the Romanan threat that was coming uh, to them. Um, and they tried to put them against it. The Romanans tried to put these four races against each other. They figured out the plot and they decided to join forces against uh, the, uh, the the enemies. That is, um, after they defeated them, they decided, hey, new threats are going to come. So we're going to make now what is called the Federation of Planets. And that was in 2061, right at the end of the show, um, Star Trek Enterprise. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's uh, that's how the Federation of Planets uh, basically came to be. It was a coalition of planets and the Romulans planned backfire on them. And, the, um, and, and oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, um, you know, so, you know, we've talked about the kind of the sketching out from to the to the birth of the Federation of Planets, um, I know we ha- we haven't really we talked a little bit about the politics maybe of 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 you know you kind of sketch out why they created it, but at this time you know and as we're now building this more um, galaxy or however you want to call it where different planets are now working as part of the Federation, did the you know the United Earth and sort of their own obviously there's always going to be political disagreements as there are in many episodes of many different shows, but does the United Earth cause problems and is it because of sort of the historical, you know, the, the history of the of, of Earth, you know, versus maybe other planets, which we could get into other planets, but I think that might be too far. By this point, um, humans were already working together. Like I said, the last ones to fall in World War III was, you know, um, United States and Western um, Europe. Um, by this point, like we said, uh, a sixth of the population have been wiped out. So really, there was no opposition to doing something new. Um, everyone, everybody had kind of seen like, hey, um, the old ways weren't working. Yeah, there was some political like, you know, adversaries that wanted to go back to the to the way that it was before that. But it really it's not clear what happened in that time, um, what happened with those people. Um, all we know is that these people were given full rights to have their own uh, vineyards if they wanted to make capital if they wanted. Um, would you just weren't you you just weren't 
allowed to have capital gains inside of you know earth got it okay um, so, so like you could have a luxurious um condo in one of um you know the romulan in one of the romulan colonies per se but you cannot use that wealth to influence politicians on earth um, there is no money in politics because there is no money right right yeah they, but, but there they, is yeah. a state as you might, as many would say, that it's sort of a communist society because there is no, as you said, no money, but there is still a state and they are, you know, working collectively to explore, you know, in, in many capacities. Mm -hmm. So it really is a pretty, <laughs> a parallel, a parallel like we were saying at the, at the outset of, you know, it's impossible to ignore the comparisons. I mean, it's, it's pretty, mm -hmm. pretty blatant when you get to get down to actually how society functioned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and another thing, another misconception that I see is that people use um, United Earth, the Federation of Planets, and Starfleet as you know interchangeably, and it, it, it's three different things, right? Um, Starfleet is just the the vessels. Starfleet is just the military personnel. Starfleet is just you know the exploration team, right? Uh, Starfleet has nothing to do with the politics of united earth um so picard cannot influence on the politics that are taking place on earth right um, there the, the, there is no military dictatorship like that everything has to go through the channels earth has a president but the president of earth does not have to be human so um yeah yeah but but do, but do they answer to the federation but or sorry they, they no, the federation the federation the Federation is just that, a Federation. It's just a a group of planets that came together that have somewhat dissimilar ideals, but do have differences in between them. But it's just a joint um, Federation of planets. That That is all. They, they work together to defend their quadrants against enemies. Yeah, I guess you could almost and, refer to them. It's almost like, you know, if the UN were, instead of just individual countries that were maybe having disagreements on things, it would be interplanetary mm -hmm. in, a, in a way exactly exactly yeah yeah so so that's what we have on earth and then yeah the the federation is just it's just that it's just a a, a a group of planets that come together and starfleet is just the military aspect of it that is all starfleet will be the marines the navy the army all that stuff that are necessary uh, because you know the more you explore the more enemies you might meet Right, um, and, and they might see you as a threat, even though Starfleet is not a threat to anyone in the in the universe. Yeah, I mean, most of the the, the episodes or instances where they might come across a more powerful enemy, one being like the Borg Collective, they're not actually attacking them. If in most in most cases that I can think of, it's usually the opposite, where they pose a threat to Starfleet and, and the Federation planet. And so they're, you know, they're coming in as a protective force, which I think is another maybe misconception that I sometimes see is that because they are this military force is that they actually are some kind of aggressor and they're colonizing. I think I, um, a couple of months back, I posted a video about Star Trek and there were some people arguing saying like, oh, well, actually Starfleet is this military operation and they're always breaking the prime directive and actually being colonizers. And I don't. I mean, maybe you could point to certain small instances where there is some gray area, but I think as a body, that is not their goal. No, and, and I'll give you a perfect example of how they do not intervene with any other planet. Um, they, they, let, they let other planets, first of all, that is their prime directive. Yep. That is, that is what was called before Kirk, General Order One. Um, their, that, their main thing is... They cannot interfere with other planets. If they come across a planet that has life but not work capabilities, they're not even allowed to connect to, to communicate with that people. Um, they are allowed to go down. They are allowed to dress up like them. They're allowed to pass as them, and they're allowed to study them. But they're not allowed to go in and influence their politics, talk to their politicians, and do anything like that. And uh, there is uh, a great example of this. I don't know if you already came across of it, but there, uh, Picard comes across a situation where there is a civil dispute in a planet. 
And uh, is this, I, I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. But I, I feel like you might be referring to um, the two planets and they have like a, they've, one of them supplies a drug to the other planet, perhaps? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm. I, th- I, I, I think so, yes. Yes, but basically the rebels take the government hostage. Okay, so th- this is a different episode. Sorry. Right, so I, I cut you off. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're good. There's a lot of episodes like that. Um, but this one directly, the rebels um, take. You know, they take power, you know, they, they come in, they have the politicians at gunpoint, the politicians have them at gunpoint, and uh, the, the Picard just turns around and he's like, well, um, let me know when you solve your problems. And he just beams up. Um, yeah, I think, and, I think I do know which one you're talking about. I think it's like end of season three, perhaps. Yeah, he's like, yeah, uh, let us know when you solve your problems and then uh, we'll consider your application to join the Federation of Planets. Yes, I think there was like a group that was being held on some kind of like prison off planet, like a like I think a, so, yes. Something like that. I do know which one you're talking about. But yeah, I think I think I mean that is a great example because they get involved because they are they're asked, you know, to come in to consider their membership, but they're not going to solve their dispute. They're not gonna act as a mediator between them. No, um and in Deep Space Nine, this is exactly what happens. The Federation of Planets wants Bajor to be part of um, the Federation of Planets, but Bajor is under Cardassian control. And even then, Prime Directive still applies to the Federation, where they cannot come in and save the Bajorans for the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. The Bajorans have to save themselves. And that is exactly what happens. Once the Bajorans kick out the Cardassians, then Bajor becomes an ally of the Federation, but not part of the Federation. So they are under the protection of the Federation. Um, Deep Space Nine, the reason why there is Bajorans and humans is because it's a, it's a Bajoran station, uh, with, but it has Federation oversight. And they even say it in the first episode, We, I am, I am here to protect the interest of the Federation, right. not to save Bajor. That is all. Like, yeah, they do not colonize. If there is a planet there with civilization, they walk away. Um, but they will not interfere. Um, there is other um, moments uh, where Data um, mistakenly talks to a little girl whose yes. planet is about to, um, who, who whose planet is about to get dissolved because of the Titanic plates, uh, Titanic plates. Sorry, um, but yeah, that, that, those are the only great areas that I can think of that the Prime Directive was ever broken in such a matter. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the thing. Like there are, like you said, there's areas where. You know, there's some stickiness, but there is very, I mean, there tends to be, I feel like some of the most biggest maybe arguments you you kind of encounter on, especially with Picard and his crew is where he doesn't want to, he can't violate the prime directive, but there are others um, who, who want him, not or, or they argue that it wouldn't be a violation. Um, so mm-hmm. he, he holds very hard to his line. I think, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's that's, I mean, I, uh, that kind of leads me to an unrelated question is if you had to pick a favorite captain, um, you know, w- would it be Picard or do you have another choice? Because for, 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 for me, I, I don't feel like I'm qualified because I haven't seen everything to kind of give my, um, you know, to give one. But in the in the two or two shows and a little bit more that I've seen, I mean, Picard is a great character, you know, just in and of himself. Um but I, but I don't know. Picard, Picard is definitely a, an example of morality, of decency. Um, Picard represents what Starfleet is in peace times. When it comes to war times, um, you have to see um, Deep Space Nine. We get Captain Sisko. Yeah. Captain Sisko, one could say he's a warmonger. He, he, he actually enjoys the thrill of a fight. Um, as Picard is always trying to defuse the fight. Right. Um, um, in Deep Space Nine, you're going to see um, Starfleet develop warships, something they never had before. So um, it is a mix between Picard and Captain Sisko. Yeah, it sounds like it's um, almost like the yin and yang of sort of like the Starfleet captain where you have, like you said, the on one side you're trying to you know, keep things civil, but then, you know, when there is the need for actual war, you, you, you may, you, you probably don't want Picard because he, 
that's just not kind of his mindset. At least it never is in exactly. the show. But yes, if you, I mean, if you are looking for a captain that uh, who who is the best explorer, definitely Picard. Definitely Picard. He knows how to handle every situation in a in a in a very refined, peaceful manner. Um, he he always looks for the alternative instead of you know the first choice that's given to him. Um, he thinks of others before himself. So yeah, I will say Picard is one of my favorite captains. Um, and since that was the one that I watched with my grandfather, I think that's uh, it's also uh, one of the reasons why every time I think of Star Trek, I think of Picard. Yeah, yeah. When I was um, probably I don't know in like third or fourth grade when the show I think it was it was still it was still on the air. Uh, one of my best friends was a huge fan of the show. We I always go to his house after school, and he'd always be watching it. But just for some reason, it didn't like hook me the same way that it you know hooked him and, and obviously so many other people. And so at some point, I don't know about like seven or eight years ago, a friend of mine said like I can't believe you haven't seen you know, next generation. And so that's when I started watching it. I got most of the way through and then I ended up recently starting it again and watching it all the way through again. Um, but I, 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 when I think of Star Trek, it's hard for me not to think of, of him. Whereas I suspect maybe someone older, you know, of our parents' generation might look towards, you know, the original series because of just that was on when they were, you know, younger. Yeah. And my grandfather watched the original series as well and he watched the next generation as well um i don't think he really got into deep space nine too much um he, he felt that it wasn't uh, pleasant enough um so um, also mike i guess my grandfather was uh he had ptsd so he he, he actually didn't want uh, to know anything about that kind of stuff yeah it's so, a little more war uh, more driven so i can understand that yeah yeah so yeah those are those were my favorite times. That's my favorite captain, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know we've kind of gone through, I mean, I guess we kind of jumped off to some, to talking about some of the, you know, the politics. Um, but I know we got sort of in the timeline to, you know, the, or maybe I guess we kind of got paused in the timeline for when Earth was developing its warp capabilities. Are there any sort of points after that before, you know, before we kind of get to the timeline of some of the, of the show's, Enterprise, because I know that's the the first um, the first ships, I believe. Um, that you want to kind of are there are there not? Sorry, which one? Um, well, before before Picard, we had Kirk, right? Of course. And um, before Kirk, we had um, Captain Archer, um, who is the captain of um, Enterprise, right? Um, but in between those, there is a bunch of other captains, which is what the new ones are about. Got it. okay. So I so I I, I, was, I guess I was thinking of in my head I was jumping straight to uh, Enterprise with Archer and um, that era, but so maybe thinking about some of the inner you know workings. Is there anything you know maybe that, that you think is worth kind of going through a little bit in that in the period of you know once Earth creates and has a capability to actually. Go warp speed. Um, and now they have the ability again, like you said, they can use a replicator, they can create anything they want. People are all taken care of. So it's kind of gave them the ability to, I think, like you said, the um the Vulcans saw that they would now be able to explore because they could use their time and their their well, I guess no money, but their efforts outward as opposed to inward, I think is kind of the way I like to think of it, is that now they no longer have to worry about themselves. They can worry about the, you know, the universe. And I want to point something out about the Vulcans. Um, the Vulcans are not nice people. Um, <laughs> the Vulcans actually held back um, humans from developing warp drive. Um, they actually um, only shared little bits here, little bits there, little bits here, little bits there. They didn't want to, they didn't want to trust humans. They made it, I think, to not trust humans. Um, they still, uh, still, when they came to visit us, they still saw us as primitive beings. Um, right. Cause they had developed so even, much sooner. Yeah. They developed so much sooner, but they like to forget that they, they, they developed at, with the same, at the same cost that we developed. Right. They just did it a millennia before we did. Um, so it, yeah, they kind of like to look down the, their noses at humans, um, uh, and so yeah, they actually held back 
a lot of information that could have helped humans um, get ahead and, and go to space faster. I mean, um, do, do you think that would have been <laughs> – this is sort of like a – I don't know if this is like a philosophical question of the show, but obviously there wasn't – they didn't have their own version of the Prime Directive, but would that have been wrong in some way for the Vulcans to have assisted – Earth in generating that capability sooner. I mean, maybe I don't know if that's ever actually brought up, or if it's more of a, you know, personal opinion. I think it's, I think it's more of a personal thing. I mean, I and I can see, I can see, uh, I can see someone saying, "Hey, you know, I'm not going to teach you everything. There's things that you need to learn on your own." Right. right? Uh, and, and I and I get that from the Balkans. But um, yeah, I think it's more of a personal issue um, that some of our start, you know, that it's a, it's a debate that we, you know, Trekkies um, have in between us is uh, should they have helped? Shouldn't they have helped? Um, at the end of the day, I think they did what was right. Yeah. I think uh, I think them stepping back and letting them figure it out on their own is what pushed humans to uh but the reason why we take it personal is because um, Captain Archer's father was the one that was trying to develop the warp drive, um, and he never got to fly at warp speed. Mm. Um, his son did, so I, I think we're, we. I think it's uh, more of a per, yeah, like a personal thing. Like uh, you helped Archer's father from going to space, <laughs> right, right? But at the end. Yes, I think it was good for them to step back and say, "Hey, no, mm-hmm. yeah, we know the answer, but what what good would it be for your professor to give you the answer to the test?" <laughs> right. Uh, that's kind of a that's a good way to look at it. Also, the same way that you know the prime directive works, where you know a society has to make a mistake and get to you know where there needs to be, you know, in you know sort of like. You could call it, uh, you know, fate if you want, where Earth needed to reach that point, even if, you know, there was an easier path. You know, it seems like that mm-hmm. path is probably, you know, the harder path. You could Again, this is more like a philosophical aspect. You know, it probably makes sense for them to learn it on their own rather than to be given the end before. But you also like, yeah, and, but also like if we, if we can point something out real quick of the Vulcans is that the Vulcans also um, were very xenophobic in their, in their planning. Um, there's an example that um, Spock has an has a adopted sister from Earth. They didn't want her to study at the academy because she wasn't Vulcan. They didn't want her to live in the society because she wasn't Vulcan. Mm. Basically, anyone who wasn't Vulcan wasn't wor- welcome in Vulcan. And so, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, that, that's all I wanted to point out uh, <laughs> there that, yeah, there is a little bit of a controversy there between um, Star Trek fans. Uh, should they have helped? Shouldn't they have helped? Answer, they did the right thing. They did the logical thing. Yeah, as yeah, that's what they would, they would say that it was the logical decision to, you know, withhold technology. I mean, I guess the, the on the other side of it again, not to like beat a beat the horse down, beat a dead horse, but I guess if you think about it in a way where if this was preventing them from, you know, I, I, you know, preventing them from being able to feed, you know, people, like if they had the ability to create the replicator earlier, but they couldn't and the Vulcans could have helped them do it, you know, then you might say, well, in doing so sooner, mm-hmm. they could have saved people's lives. People could have had food. Um, but in yeah, this case, exactly. it's more of a, you know, it's nice to have the ability to use a warp drive, but they they reached that point when when it needed to happen. Yeah. And also, I wanted to mention that in the Enterprise, the original Enterprise, they did not have replicators in their ships. Okay. Um, they did not have them on the ships. Those did not come in until Kirk. Uh, that's when the actually no, they came on before Kirk. Sorry, they came in uh, like uh, um, 50, 60 years before Kirk. That's when they started putting le- replicators into their ships. Before that, no, they they had a chef, they had um, dishwashers, they had um, servers, they had all that. God, okay. Um, but it was more of a, okay, I want to be a chef instead of, oh, I have to work in this kitchen to pay the wages to feed my family. Right, exactly. No one, no one, everyone, and I think this maybe, you know, again, doesn't talk about the politics of it, but I think maybe talking about some of the, 
you know, the jobs that people do and you often hear, you know, today and arguments of like against, you know, uh, communism or socialism is that, well, how would you get people to do, you know, this job or that job or be the trash man or be the this and that? I think you see in the society that that comes about is there people on, you know, on uh, the, the enterprise or other ships or on, you know, on land or on bases where they're doing all of those jobs because it needs to be done and they don't have to worry about money or food or their shoes or their home. So they're willing to do things that make society as a whole better. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because I mean, the, the, it, it doesn't really come about too much in, you know, episodes talking about jobs. Obviously you have your main characters and you, you know, you have your occasional other people that might pop into the show. So you don't really get too much of a, look, you know, into some of the, I would guess, you know, less glamorous work of the show or of, of, you know, society. Um, but I think it's, you know, under the, under the hood, you know, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but exactly. as far as other, you know, other eras or other areas or other things, you know, as far as, you know, things you wanted to, to bring up, I don't really have too many other specific questions on the, you know, politics and kind of the, 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 the timeline, uh, but I wanted to make sure you had a chance to to bring up any other areas you wanted to uh, to discuss. No, no, I think I think we 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 covered everything. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes here, and yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think we covered all that. Yeah. Um, for anyone out there who isn't a Star Trek fan or hasn't watched too much of the show in the in 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 the past, where would you point them to start with? You know, the Star Trek universe. Which show will be your will be your recommendation? Okay, so this is uh, tough because I, I guess people are spoiled nowadays with good CGI. Yeah. So if I point them to like, you know, I, I, if you're looking for a story based, if you just want to know the story and don't care about the CGI, then they don't, the best place to start will be uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Um, like I said, that is the, that is the first vessel. Um, that's when they, you know, they still don't have replicators in them. Um, everything has to be done by shuttle. They don't even have um, the uh, teleporters. Right. Right. Um, so that is the beginning of it all. Um, um, it, it will be Star Trek Enterprise. Then you will move on to Discovery, watch the first two seasons. And then you have to watch um, Strange New Worlds, then the original series, Star Trek Enterprise, Deep Space Nine. And then the new one that we got is called Lower Decks. So it's it's a, it's a very it's a very um long long TV show. Yeah, I was gonna say it's uh it's it, it kind of uh, uh I don't know maybe three or four years ago or maybe it was a little further when I was you know starting to watch Next Generation. Then I started going down the rabbit hole of oh should I actually start here or should I you know start from other places? And then every every Reddit page would be a different recommendation mm-hmm. um and what i ended up doing was watching the original series first um you know which maybe is you know again probably the least the least graphical you know being that it took place you know 50 years ago uh, or more now i guess so you know if yeah. you can kind of get through some of that i think you can kind of probably enjoy any of it um i really love you know uh, picard and start in a, you know next generation so i enjoyed kind of jumping into there but i definitely need to get into some of those other series because especially deep space nine, I really got to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Deep space nine is definitely yeah one of the good. Um, I also recommend um, after you're done with deep space nine to watch lower decks. It's a cartoon. It's an animation, but it is, it, it is, you know, part of the story. They just did it in cartoon. Um, and it takes five years after deep space nine. They make fun of themselves <laughs> on everything. Um, from the Klingons to the Bathline, the Honor to Picard or Kirk being held at gunpoint, or you know, um, it's just it, it, it makes fun of itself. It was just the creators just having fun with themselves. Um, it was just yeah, let's mock each other out, and that's all they did. Just mocked each other, mocked all of the Star Trek series, but it is you know part of the story as well. Yeah, I've I've seen a few episodes of that of Lower Decks. Um, I haven't seen it all the way through, but it is pretty interesting. I found to watch it as 
you know, because you're so used to it as this live action show to see it as a cartoon was um, kind of cool, um, you know. And then maybe the last thing. So obviously we have some newer shows, which I think before we started recording, you kind of were briefly mentioning how they kind of fit into kind of fill in gaps in some of the other um, timelines. You know, how do you do you like the newer shows? Because I, I've watched a few episodes of uh, Picard, um, but I felt like I, I was a little bit lost because I didn't think I knew all the stuff around it. So I'm going to go back to it later. Uh, but what do you think about the new the newer series? So we have uh, four new series. We have Picard, which to understand Picard, you have to finish um, the next generation. But then you also have to watch the three movies that come after that. Um, Picard did three movies after the the um, next generation show went off the air. Right. So those three movies are the gap that is missing in the story. So if you watch the next generation and you go to Picard, there is going to be a gap that you're going to be like, ah, uh, what just happened here? <laughs> That's how I felt. I'm like, oh, I, then I realized too that you needed to see those movies. And I had seen them, but I had no recollection of them. Yeah, I, I, can, um, I, I mean, there's there's always spoilers in here, but maybe I'll maybe I'll remove that little bit just because, just in case. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yes, do that, do that. Um, but yeah, so the um, I guess we, you know, I think we have some good recommendations on on what to watch. Again, I mean, for me as a more of a novice, I really love. Uh, I think I said Next Generation just because I find it just, especially after you know maybe around the late second season, early third season, it just gets so good and just continues to get really good. Um, but I think anyone out there who maybe hasn't, uh, you know, really, do, do, you know, dived into it and is, you know, finds themselves as more of a, you know, on the left, I think you'd really enjoy this show, um, enjoy the universe of it. But yeah, so uh, again, um, thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Javier, uh, Caribbean Warrior. Um, you can follow him. I'll put some a link in the notes to, uh, to check out his content. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. So again, everyone out there um, can listen to the podcast um, on any platform of choice and we will catch you next week. Thanks so much.